It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Keith. Here's your host, Matt Derry. Start of a new week. How about a new episode of the podcast? Let's talk a little Pistons basketball. It is Wired, presented to you by Jeep. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us here. As we talk some Pistons basketball, we'll do so momentarily with the Pistons legend and current radio analyst, Rick Mahorn. We'll talk to the original bad boy about the death of Cliff Robinson, the boycotts, the lottery, NBA bubble, and certainly Pistons basketball as well. But we appreciate you listening and uh, joining us today. First and foremost, before we get Rick on, we, we, we do have to send our condolences certainly to the Robinson family. For those of you that were fans of the team and have been fans of the Pistons for a long time, you'll, you'll go back and remember uh, the 0102 and 0203 teams that sort of set the stage for the 2003-2004 championship team led by Larry Brown. Those two previous years under uh, head coach Rick Carlisle featured Cliff Robinson, a pickup by Joe Dumars that was just tremendous, a veteran that came in and and, and kind of taught some of the young guys, uh, led by example, hit some big shots, and helped them win uh, 50 games, if you recall, in 0102 when, when Carlisle won Coach of the Year and the Pistons made the playoffs really out of nowhere. The, the Chucky Atkins, John Barry, Cliff Robinson, Zelly Rebracha teams, Michael Curry as well, Um, Cliff passed away over the weekend, as his family announced, from uh, lymphoma. He had been sick for a long time. But, uh, man, oh, man, uh, over the span here, if you're an old Big East basketball fan, over the span really of 48 hours, we've seen the death of former UConn and Pistons grade and former Trailblazer Cliff Robinson, uh, Detroit's own Demetrius Gore, who was a a big-time scorer at Pittsburgh in the 80s and 90s, uh, at big, uh, in the Big East at Pitt, and then John Thompson, the legendary, iconic Georgetown head coach, uh, passing away here on Monday. But a lot going on. Certainly the Pistons will be picking seventh in the upcoming NBA draft after the ping-pong balls again did not go their way. But I think a lot of people know maybe lucky seven. And with this draft, the Troy Weaver and his scouting staff, which he continues to add to, it just, it, it just gives them – uh, more of an opportunity to maybe find that diamond in the rough uh, at number seven. But we'll talk about all that with Rick, uh, with Rick Mahorn as I had a chance to uh, catch up with the legendary original bad boy moments ago. Let's check in with our friend Rick Mahorn. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Diesel? I might I might be your friend today, but okay. we you know we'll we'll discuss this later. Uh, here we go. You're already you're already shot out of a cannon on a on a Monday morning. How have you, how have you been, by the way? How's your family? Well, everybody's, you know, here and around. It's uh, been, uh, you know, like I said, Groundhog Day every day because you got to expect the unexpected, but also you just want to stay healthy and be be around for your family. No, no question about it. I, you and I were talking before we hit record here about about a lot of folks passing away recently, including uh, Cliff Robinson, who had a huge impact on the Pistons, of course, uh, under Rick Carlisle for those two years leading up to the Larry Brown championship teams. What, do you, what are some of your favorite uh, Uncle Cliffy memories? Well, the crazy thing is that I knew uh, Cliff Robinson when he was at UConn, when, being from Connecticut and him playing for the, the Huskies at that time. It was that we used to work out with them in the summertime, myself and Mike Adams, who was a former player, played, you know, the little short Mike Adams played yeah. for the Denver Nuggets. So, you know, we had a relationship once he, you know, in, in college, but also when he got into the pros. And so, it's, and then, you know, you build that friendship as it goes on. Him and James Edwards are very, very, very good friends, like brothers, where they would have challenges and cooking and things to that nature. So, 
it, it's, it's, it's a person that's been very near and dear to my heart and will be always missed. And being one of those Pistons was unfortunately didn't get the chance to win a championship with the 04 boys, but it was just a, a pleasure of having them here because he was such a pro. It's crazy to think and remember because we loved him so much for the two years that he was here that you know, you, you know the, the Pistons went up against him in the, in the finals against the Blazers when he was just such a young player. Yes, and he had two opportunities to win a championship and, you know, with Portland and losing to the Pistons and then also losing to the Chicago Bulls. I thought, you know, he was one of the forefronters, as we say, like uh, Bob McAdoo to me. They talk about stretch fours and fives. Bob McAdoo was one of one of the biggest guys that could shoot the three outside and really expand his game. But Cliff Robinson is more was more of this modern day shooting big, stretch four big, as they call him now. You know, I still just call it a guy that could shoot outside and, and shot pretty good, and also play defense. Rick Mahorn with me. All right, all right Ricky, the, the, the current group of, of the Pistons, obviously, right now, it's it's just about working out and kind of following the protocols that have been set. By you know by the, by local governments and of course the NBA, but how difficult is it going to be for the guys that that haven't played in? I don't know. It'll be like seven, eight, nine months to to get back out there when next season starts. Well, conditioning is going to be key. You got to keep yourself in shape some way, uh, some shape, any means necessary. Going out and running out into you know going to a gym, making sure that it's uh, COVID protected and everything. Make sure you have your social distancing, and it's rough. I've never been. No, none of us have ever been in this kind of a, a pandemic where you couldn't go play pickup games. But the NBA has been very good at starting you know different protocols of giving guys opportunities to start working, start working out, and start putting groups together so it's going to be a chance that these guys for you know these amount this amount of time will be all right when when the season starts and plus you know people that are hurt get good rest and good therapy and everything like that so they can be ready for whenever the season starts again my thing was as a player you work you, you work on your craft every day you take a little break work on your craft every day could this be a, a positive for a guy like Blake Griffin in, in coming back from injury that he's had this this amount of time off? You know, it's always a positive. You know, you look at what, the way the bubble is constructed now, where you saw uh, last night a guy like Gary Harris, Michigan State Spartan, didn't play in March but played last night, played 21 good minutes for the Nuggets to get to make a 3-3 three, three, uh, tie in the series and make it a one-game series. So, and to, you know, rest and therapy and everything that you can do only helps your body when you're a professional athlete. But if you don't have that time through the year, you know, through the year, it usually you try to come back too soon. But this has been, you know, uh, a learning lesson for the NBA and also the players. These teams that obviously did not go to the bubble, including the Pistons, are going to get an opportunity, like you said, uh, workouts and everything else. How good of a hands are these guys in when it comes to Dwayne Casey and his staff in your mind? 
you know, having a guy like Dwayne Casey, uh, a, a coach that also looks in the forefront of how his team is going to be and adding Troy Weaver as a general manager to try to create this atmosphere that you need to have in Detroit. You know, Diesel, most of the time, it's all about coming to work every day, uh, taking care of your business. And, you know, you may not win a lot of games, but that's what you have to try to build that culture again. That's crazy, Rick, because it doesn't matter if it's Joe, if it if it was Stan, whomever, Ed Stefanski, whoever runs the team now, Troy Weaver, the, the lottery just is not good to the Pistons. And obviously uh, last week uh, the ball, ping pong balls did not bounce their way, and they sit at number seven. But you look at this draft, maybe seven isn't a bad spot because this is not a top-heavy draft. What were your thoughts on it? Well, my thing is with the draft, and, and I'll go back from old school days, is that when you draft someone, this is someone that's going to help you now. It's always now that you want to see what's the potential of a person, of a, of a player that could come in this league and help your team for the now. But you have to build the infrastructure before you draft what you need and looking at if this guy can fit into the system that you're about to create. So you have to be, you can, you can say, okay, number seven, lucky seven can be a great thing because if you had to redo a lot of drafts, people would look and say, well, why did Kawhi Leonard get traded for Paul George? And then and now they're playing together and both of them are all-stars. One is a two-time uh, champion, but yet it's like, okay, you can look at the Steph Currys, the Clay Thompsons, if you have to redo a draft. These are the things that you don't want to say t- five, ten years down the line and say, well, what if I would have did this and we would have had this player? Those are the things woulda, coulda, shoulda. But if you find that person that can fit your mode, that can carry your team even further to the next generation or even the next game, you want to you want to put your hands on that. If you're Troy Weaver, what it, what it, when you look at this roster, it, it's, it's weird because I know we talk about it for the NFL draft and others. It's like, oh, you know, what do they need? At seven, you just you just take the best available player because again, you can't work these kids out. There's no pre-draft camp. What do you do? You take the, the, that next available player. If you feel that you have a wish list, this is what you do. Being a former NBA coach and being down with the Atlanta Hawks, you, you try to figure it out. You try to find the landing spots. What if they take this person? You have plan B and plan C. Those are the things. Or then you may say, okay, maybe we could trade it and try to get something for the future and let's assess what we have now because you do have a young ball club now that you're going to have to uh, try to create an, an image and the leadership where with a Blake Griffin and a, and a Derrick Rose, but you have to also make sure that you have uh, you, the players behind that to help them, the role players that can help you create the winning atmosphere that you've been missing for a few years. Talking to Rick Mohorn, of course, Pistons analyst, uh, the guys in the community, a team ambassador, and of course the uh, the original bad boy and a world champion joining us here. Seku got drafted last year and was on in mothballs for months and then finally played a little bit. What did you think of him and how they handled him last year? I thought his uh, athleticism, you saw his size, his energy. This is what you're trying to lead, you're trying to use. You're trying to teach a young man 
how to be an NBA player. So that's when the veteran leadership has to come in. I thought Sekou, you know, when he would play against a, a LeBron James or, you know, a, a named person, he would be playing pretty good. But that's when you have to learn as a, as a rookie. Don't look at who you're playing. You play everybody the same as if they're a LeBron James or, or if they're a Luka Doncic. You want to make sure that he has that same intensity. So that's the maturity that he will get. As, as he continues to play. I mean, he's got the perfect NBA body or NBA body style where it's six, eight, six, nine, and you can put about, you can put five of those guys on the court that can handle the basketball and also make the great decisions that you need as a player. So his growth and development, I saw that at, at each turn and too bad we didn't end the season, you know, when we needed to. So the more games that he played, the better he would get. I reckon playoffs are going on in the bubble. You referenced uh, that Denver-Utah game from, from last night. How much of the games have you watched, and, and what do you think of the quality of play? Well, I've, I've been watching them, and the thing is, uh, it's no one has a home court advantage, so that gives the people, it's a neutral court. It's no fans, so it's something totally different to the guys. And also, you're on lockdown. It's not like, you know, it's been 50-plus days, 60 days, going into 60 days that, you know, teams that if they want to win a championship, they have to have the mental toughness. And this is where it's going to resonate because if you get down 3-1 like the Nuggets did and all of a sudden come back, now you're getting a refuel you know you refueling yourself in a new enthusiasm about yourself to win this one game series that they're about to do so i mean it's no home court advantage but you know and it's no travel so when you don't have no travel you you just lock down and you know as players you commit once you commit this is what you're going to do so but in that bubble the the i see the the play of the shooting now all of a sudden it increases because you don't you know it's no change of venue you're in you're in three venues and if you're in the one venue where you know that court that's how that's when it becomes home court advantage so watching uh uh Jamal Murray and and Donovan Mitchell go at it last night was great <laughs> you know it's it's funny you were a guy that prided yourself on defense is it just great shooting that these guys are dropping dropping 50 every night or 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 are guys not moving their feet a lot of times the rules have changed, but the intensity will increase as these games, as you get down to the top two teams. You know, it, it changes a lot even when you go to the Western Conference Finals and also go to the Eastern Conference Finals. It changes a lot. The whole attitude changes because the teams are either better or you, you find that you, ex, you can have, you can expose certain players and certain individuals. But right now, I mean, this is a, the first round and so when i'm seeing the scoring the way it is the defense is not played like it used to be this is not the old school where we're going to be bumping and grinding and you know chucking and just knocking people on their behinds although although marcus morris did uh smash luke on the back of the head yesterday <laughs> yeah he did and i mean you saw where uh what's his name tucker yeah, uh, yeah, PJ Tucker yeah. and also uh, Schre uh, Schroeder. Is it Schroeder? Yeah, Schroeder. Um, 
they went at it. I mean, it's a lot of physicality in here. Also, it's like, okay, I know it, things build up as you continue to play longer games, and this is what happens. You find the contact, and, you know, you figure you're watching film and you see a guy hit you this way, so, hey, you want to retaliate in another way in the next game. Who could, knows? Could you have imagined, dude, playing in the bubble years ago, like against Bird and Jordan and those guys, and having to, like, share a hotel lobby and see those guys after the game? What, 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 what would that have been like? I don't know because a lot of these guys played AAU basketball and they saw each other all the time. It was always, you know, the, the, the what do they call it, the guys uh, between Chris Bosh and, and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. They're all friends, but you have to try to separate that friendship or the animosity into being competitive on the court. And then you don't have to worry about your friends. They'll be your friends after, so, but for 48 minutes, they got to be your enemy. Tell me about your thoughts when you watched last week that uh, players really drove this thing. You elected to boycott the games and sit out for, for two days and, and, and talk instead about, about what took place in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the shooting there, the obviously the Black Lives Matter movement. What have been your thoughts about it? Well, my thing is that, you know, people look at, basketball players as if they're basketball players but if you take the uniform on there they're human beings and they're compassionate and it's a lot of things that are going out uh going on out outside of the bubble where you cannot just say okay well i'm but i want to go out and i want to protest and i want to have a, a, a civil protest and not sit out there and just flat out riot what part can they do? I, 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 I applaud these young men because back in the day, we couldn't say a lot of things. You know, it was not necessarily say a lot of things. You'd be blackballed outside of the league, as we saw with a few uh, people who would stand up at, in a way where, okay, that's against the grain. We're, we don't, we're not going to deal with him anymore. And you look at the Colin Kaepernick situation as we saw that. But now these young men and, and women have a voice. I think the WNBA did a great job. They're most of the time in the forefront of what's going on in society with the social issues. So when you're when you're a professional athlete, you know you you can speak for the voice of the people who aren't able to speak up. And that's you know when you can take a cause and a pause like that. I thought that I, I, you know I respect the players for doing what they did. Final thing, Rick, what do you think, what else can they do? You know, it's interesting. People say, well, maybe instead of <clears throat> playing, they, they, they should have stopped playing or maybe just suspended the season and, and gone up to Washington, D.C. and banged on the doors of, of political people. I, I don't know. Have you thought about that, like what the next no, move would be? What would be the next thing? I mean, it's all about getting people to get out and vote. That's one first thing and foremost. But here's also another thing making sure that these issues are still prevalent, knowing what's going on with the social injustice and the systemic racism. It's, it's in fact, and the fact of the matter is that you have a platform and you have to use it to your advantage. And I think the players are doing it. Rick, great uh, catching up, uh, my brother. It's uh, always great to hear your voice. You are the best. You too, my brother Diesel. You are the best. Thanks, Rick. Bye, Gary. <laughs> there he is, Rick Mahorn, the original bad boy, Pistons radio analyst, and, of course, all over the community working for the organization. Joining me today on Wired, the Pistons podcast brought to you by Jeep. We'll talk to you again soon.